you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world, raise $130 million in growth funding, and can help you fast-track product market fit and, where relevant, the launch of your token economy. So today I'm really happy to welcome on Cameron Bale, co-founder of NFT Cred. Welcome, Cameron. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. So NFT Cred is effectively an NFT marketing and distribution platform. I believe it's as a business, it's been going for a couple of years now. I actually know you via NFT NYC, which is an NFT, perhaps the leading NFT event that's been going since Feb 2019. I believe the next one is going to be in October 2021. And of course, NFTs are hot and more brands, creators are rushing into the space, figuring out how to bring their particular flavor of NFT to market. Um, And with them, trying to figure out how to onboard users that perhaps might not be familiar with crypto or blockchain. And so NFT Cred is is looking to remove some of the the friction that's involved there. We're going to get into uh, a little bit about how you do that. Maybe before we start, so uh, I'm going to hold my hands up and say probably I'm not, and perhaps neither of us were as prepared as we would have liked to record this. Um, We actually thought we were going to have a a call about something else. And then we realized, hey, actually, let's just, uh, let's do it. Let's record a podcast episode. So normally I would give a a bit of an intro into the guest background. As I said, you know, I I know a little bit about you, but but not as much as I would uh, normally like to in order to feel comfortable to attempt to do an intro. So perhaps you do it yourself. Why, you, why don't you give us a bit of a summary on your, your background, journey into NFTs, and what led you to set up NFT Cred? Thanks for the, the introduction and the, you know being so candid that we were not so prepared for this, uh, this recording. But um, the background on NFT.cred, is that um, we are we're actually a technology company called People Browser, and we've been in business since 2009. Um, our our core technology is called Social OS, and has been used since 2009 to build enterprise social platforms. So our our sort of bread and butter for many years had been developing these enterprise social experiences for um, primarily enterprise. Like uh, we had some large projects with the U.S. Department of Defense and a couple of different major banks and government bodies. And so that technology, you know, we knew that we were able to build these experiences and we were developing different sorts of social analytics very early, um, so 2009. And in 2011, we decided to sort of roll that up into a consumer brand called Cred. Cred, K-R-E-D, really started out by taking that technology and sort of bundling it up into influence and outreach scoring for social influencers. So our, our audience is really influencers, you know, people that have some sort of reach online and brands who are trying to identify and engage those influencers. And so sort of fast forward a little bit uh, to 2013, I think, uh, we did our first blockchain integration. Um, so 
we integrated our, our core technology, social OS, with the Ripple blockchain, and we built a tap and pay application for a major bank. Um, and then a little bit later on, you know, 2017 to the 2018, people started talking about NFTs. Um, what we realized at the time was that NFTs were a really great vehicle for our existing audience, which were, remember, influencers and brands who already have digital assets to create a store of value of those digital assets. So think about brands that have content, think about influencers that have photos and videos and content. We realized uh, that this was potentially a technology that would really change the game for those types of, of people. Um, and so we started building our, our NFT platform with that audience in mind. And so just sort of circle back to something that you said about reaching mainstream audiences. We've been very focused on how we can make engaging, uh, sorry, interacting with NFTs, you know, collecting them, buying them, claiming them, sharing them with friends, how we can make that as simple as the experience that these users expect on, for example, Twitter or Instagram. So we're very, very focused on sort of abstracting the technology, which we're all very interested in, but, you know, the 99% most people don't really care about. Um, as long as we can provide a great user experience, we abstract that technology away from the user experience so that people can you know, sign up with an email address um, and interact with these things without sort of the, the barriers to entry that you know, many of us have sort of faced getting started with MetaMask and KYC and things like that. As I mentioned at the top, you, know, you are, I think, the founder of NFT NYC that has played a pretty critical role in the formation of the early... NFT industry, and I guess is going to continue to do so. Could you just tell us a little bit about about the journey of NFT NYC? Yeah, sure. So um, as we were developing our NFT platform, NFT.cred, we were sort of you know doing the rounds as people did um, when they were able to of all of the different expos and conferences. So we were sort of, you know, going to London Blockchain Week and we we're going to Consensus and, you know, part of New York Blockchain Week and Ethereal and all of these different crypto events. And what we realized was that at that time, we were sort of in the peak of the ICO boom, right? And there was a real, a really clear separation between people in the ICO community or the cryptocurrency-focused community um, who were dealing with all sorts of regulatory issues and then people in the NFT community who were, you know, at the time primarily building video games or creating experiences for brands or, um, you know, creating art. And there was a huge difference between these two groups of people. And we realized that the NFT community was sort of gravitating toward each other at these events, but there was no real place um, for them to sort of have their own event and focus on the technology that we sort of cared about. Um, I think in in mid-2018 or late-2018, um, a guy called Jehan Chu um, from Kinetic Capital, he hosted an event in Hong Kong called Nifty. I think it was called Nifty.gg or something like that. Um, but that was the first real NFT event um, that stood out to us. Um, it was a, a really good event. Um, I think the challenge was for most Americans that it was in Hong Kong. Um, and so we were really focused on sort of bringing that community experience to the US. Um, and so we elected to, to host our event in New York because we sort of felt that, you know, NFTs are really creating interesting consumer applications. And, you know, New York and Times Square is really the, 
the heart of a uh, you know consumer culture. So we thought it was fairly fitting to bring you know NFT to New York with NFT NYC. Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, you talk about this divergence within the community because, as you know, I'm I'm kind of recording a documentary at the moment on the history of NFTs, and there definitely feels like this inflection point where part of the Ethereum community that weren't really interested in the financial applications of Ethereum uh, and much more kind of the, the creative use cases, as you say, kind of splintered off and started doing their own thing. Um, and of course, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of to thank for what we're now enjoying as, as this kind of crypto, um, this, this NFT cycle, which of course is driving crypto proper. And it's interesting, it's only really now um, in in 2020, where um, where they're, they're kind of getting back together, right? Because you've got this merging of NFTs and DeFi, where NFTs are now collateral in DeFi. Um, so I think that's re- a really interesting um, part of the story around NFTs. So let, let's kind of then come back to the problem that you're you're looking to address. So. You know, I think everybody's noticing the influencers coming into the NFT space, I guess, with different sentiment t- t- towards that. Um, and, you know, but you can see you can see celebrities or at least their representatives trying to figure out how to best use nfts and so i think there's maybe two things there there's the first kind of technical piece and i think it'd be good to talk through your stack i know there's kind of three level three levels to it there's this white label component there's the minting at scale and there's a distribution but i also want to talk about how you think celebrities and influencers should be using nfts like what's the what's the right mindset what's the right strategies but maybe let's so maybe let's start let's start there let's start at what what do nfts mean to influencers and celebrities or or brands um you know what's the mindset they should be coming at these with and and what's the kind of strategic approach yeah sure so i i think the I think the biggest challenge that um, mainstream brands or influencers, you know, when I'd say influencers, I'm thinking about uh, sports stars like Gronk, the, the Gronkowski NFT release or the weekend that did his release on Nifty Gateway. Um, I think the biggest challenge that those types of mainstream influencers have is inclusiveness for their fan base because you know, it's it's really great that we see these people sort of adopting this technology and putting their foot in the water and sort of experimenting with NFTs. But, you know, in some regard, it's it's receiving a lot of criticism that these celebrities are really out there for a money grab because they're, they're focusing on these places where they're raising a, a ton of money, but from a very small community of people, which is us, you know, the sort of crypto NFT community. Um, the, I, I think that one of the biggest challenges that they have is sort of how they can integrate NFTs into their broader um, into their broader fan base and the experience of fans. So I, I think there's sort of two approaches, um, and, and what we try to sort of guide our clients to do is sort of use a hybrid approach where you have an experience that has a very low barrier to entry, and we can talk about that in a moment if you want to get into sort of the more technical things but making it easy for people to start 
collecting and you know using or sharing your NFTs. Um, raising money is a great thing, and of course, that's one of the reasons why lots of people are entering this space. Um, so that's obviously important too. And you know the way that these celebrities that we've seen using Nifty Gateway and OpenSea for these sort of very high visibility drops on those platforms, that's definitely a component. But one example is like the Kings of Leon release that came out where, you know, their assets were priced so high that, uh, you know, most Kings of Leon fans couldn't afford to buy something or they were just sort of ruled out from this release, even though they may have been the biggest fan of the music. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely a hybrid approach to uh, large amounts or like scale of digital assets. So whether it's collectibles, whether it's NFTs that are, you know, give you access to music or some sort of audio or video, other sort of content. So releasing those at scale at either no cost, giving them away for free or very, very affordable cost, so that you can really engage your fan base. Um, and then using those, that sort of awareness that you're driving among, you know, congratulations, welcome to my community. And now you have an NFT and sort of entering people into this sort of this, this space, using that to drive awareness of the higher value releases that you're doing. And so not only are you sort of engaging everyone, but you're also increasing the awareness of these sales and potentially, you know, increasing the revenue that you're generating from the higher value assets on OpenSea or Nifty Gateway, for example. Yeah. And I, I love the way that you describe that, right? The idea that NFTs and, and Roham of Dapper Labs kind of used the same language when he was talking about the success of NBA Top Shots was it's just become integrated into the experience of the NBA. You know, you're watching a game and and somebody will say, oh, that's a Top Shot, you know, um, it, the, the commentator. And at, at the end of the match, I mean, I don't watch I don't watch basketball, so I don't know. But I believe, you know, it will kind of be referenced throughout the, the overall experience. So I think, you know, taking that same approach to integrate into the experience of fandom is is a really critical one for people to understand and i know i think i think i saw a tweet you did recently which said you know the value of an nft will be its utility right so the content is almost irrelevant right you know the fact that it's what it looks like uh as a 2d image or as an audio track is is less important than the utility that that nft has a drop or i guess has added to it over time yeah and utility can be you know at its at its simplest the utility could just be really formation of sort of a tribe or a community you know like people um if, if a music artist if you're a super you know a fan of a, a music artist like we'll use the weekend as the example because he did that release that i just mentioned if you're a, a huge fan of the weekend you know by collecting an nft and even if it was free um by owning that NFT, you're sort of entering or, you know, identifying yourself as part of this tribe. And there's nothing more valuable to a brand or to a community by having the members of that community, you know, self-identify as being a member of that community. And so like when we talk about utility, there are obviously deeper things like, you know, access to experiences, access to discounts or offers, memberships, things like that. But, you know, at its at its very, very lightest like offering, you know, this sort of access to a tribe or being a part of something is something that, you know, I think is the simplest utility that NFTs offer. Um, and it's something that it sort of, you know, when, when CryptoPunks first came out, for example, I think that 
CryptoPunks was one of those uh, projects that really helped people sort of self-identify as being part of the NFT tribe. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that's where the value resides, right, is to be able to identify either that you were early into that tribe or that you understand the importance of that tribe in the context of NFTs. Um, and, and people like Cuban will pay a premium to show that they appreciate you know, the importance of that meme or, or that, that particular franchise in, in the overall context of, of NFTs. So let's talk about the, the stack that you built and, you know, specifically how that helps brands, celebrities, influencers leverage NFTs. Yeah, so um, we're sort of focused on three different problems. Um, the, the very first problem is if you sort of think about the user experiences that most people in the space have gone through the, the pain of, you know, setting up a, a wallet in often, often cases, people need to then go and fund that wallet and they need to go to an exchange and complete KYC. And I know there's a lot of great solutions now where you don't need to do that, but um, we, you know, since we started building the platform, we've been very focused on how we can create um, a very, very simple sort of entry point for a non-crypto user. And so, NFT.cred is it has sort of a dynamic sign up and login experience. And when I say dynamic, um, what it actually does is we detect whether you have a Web3 wallet or a Web3 browser present. And if you do have a Web3 wallet or Web3 browser present, we, we expose to you the ability to use your existing wallet or you know connect with MetaMask, for example. Um, but if we don't detect that, we can sort of make an assumption that you're not crypto native. And so the, the login and sign-up experience is just like Twitter. You can sign up with an email address or you can even connect with a Gmail account. And in that case, how it actually works behind the scenes is that you know a wallet does get created for you. We deliver you the public address and expose you the private key should you wish to you know export that wallet to another wallet client, for example. Um, but for a normal user and for a brand that was reaching a mainstream audience, they don't even need to know that there's a wallet behind, you know, what they would think or what they would call their account. So all they know is that they log in and sign up just like they do on every other website. They have things in their collection or in their account or in their wallet or whatever we call it, but they don't technically need to know that there's this web three, you know, great technology behind the scenes that's sort of empowering all of this. So that's sort of the, the very first thing that we do. Um, the second thing you mentioned white labels. So we have believed for a long time that, you know, you know, back five, five or more years, 10 years ago, that brands were sort of shooting themselves in the foot when they were sending their audiences to their Facebook page instead of their own community or their, you know, Twitter instead of their own community, because brands are really interested in data. And by doing that, they were sort of giving their data or driving all of their traffic to these, you know, third-party websites. And they don't actually own any of the data that, that was being created around their communities. And so we've been very focused on how we can solve that problem for NFT experiences for brands and influencers. And so essentially what we do is we help those brands and influencers create their own what we call NFT hubs. And the reason we call it a hub is because, you know, people would sort of assume that it's an NFT marketplace, um, but we sort of see the marketplace as being one component of the hub where 
the hub is very focused on NFT minting, you know, helping a brand or helping an enterprise mint NFTs using templates that they can create and define. So, you know, metadata fields, for example, include the very specific things that they want to include in their tokens. Um, NFT distribution. So we have a few different methods for distribution of NFTs, including, you know, sending to an email address, sending to a cell phone number, um, dropping into existing wallets, of course, um, and even identifying your top, uh, your top fans on social. So sort of going back to our roots of social analytics, you can put in your social handle or your hashtag, and you can identify who your top fans are and actually reward them by offering them an NFT. Um, and then the third component of course, is the the minting. So uh, I, I might have mentioned minting, but minting at scale. So we have been very focused on um, initially on Ethereum. And what we realized was that, you know, as gas prices increased, that it created this sort of, you know, this inhibitive environment for, for brands or anyone to really do anything at scale. Um, and so there's a number of different, you know, side chains and solutions now. Um, the one that we work with primarily is called Polygon. Uh, they used to be called Matic. And what that allows us to do is allow these brands and influencers to, you know, mint a series of 1,000 NFTs or mint a series of, you know, 5,000 NFTs and distribute those out to their fans without any sort of transaction fee or gas cost. Because Polygon's so efficient, um, it's, a, it's a proof of stake blockchain. Um, we're actually able to, to do that and absorb the gas costs through sort of a SaaS model where that brand or that influencer just pays a monthly fee for access to the platform. Yeah, very cool. We know the guys at Polygon pretty well. Now, I have to ask this question just because I know there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion around on-chain and workarounds leveraging layer two for NFTs. Like, so what's your perspective on that? Clearly, you know, you're prioritizing um onboarding and ease of use and, and that scaling component what are the considerations there so is it because you're expecting these things to be relatively lo- low value um or i don't know semi-fungible where that's less of an issue versus say something where you would want perpetual royalties built in or some other kind of on-chain metadata yeah that's a, a great question too so when you when you configure your NFT hub with NFT.cred, um, there's a few different uh, settings that you can control, which are very much aligned to what you've just described. Um, for example, um, one of our clients is a you know, very um, a very well known uh, music distributor, and that music distributor is wanting to enter the NFT space, but they know that um, their customers expect you know a certain level of quality and assurance that whatever assets this this distributor sells to them will forever be or will forever be you know will forever exist and so one sort of element of what i believe what you're asking um is really the the off-chain storage you know where do where do, where does the media live uh, where does the metadata live and so the, the platform sort of by default, what we do is we have, um, we have traditional sort of IBM servers, but we mirror our storage to IPFS and we mirror that storage to S3. And so you have, you know, sort of default, very fast content delivery via CDN. 
um, but there are also fallbacks to IPFS and S3 storage. Um, for a brand that has, you know, some sort of brand authority or responsibility in terms of how they store things, you know, like imagine if um, there was a very major sort of art house and that major art house has been dealing in the traditional art world for years or decades. And the art world has this sense of trust that they could take their physical Picasso painting and leave it with that art house. And they have this sense of trust because they know that this art house is very well insured. And if anything was to ever happen, you know, which it wouldn't because it's sort of stored in their vault, that they would be, they would have some sort of recourse. And so, you know, taking that example, um, we allow brands like that music distributor or like the art house to actually use their own secure storage. So if they do want to use IPFS, great. If they want to use their own secure storage via S3, they can do that as well. So it, it really is a case-by-case -case basis in terms of where data is stored. Um, and then the second part of that is, of course, like the user data. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm a brand and I'm creating an experience around NFTs, what I really want access to is to know, you know, who is my community? Who are the people that have signed up and engaged with these things? And we, we allow them to, to access that data um, via an export. So you can, you know, quickly sort of click a button and export who are the people that have signed up to my platform. So you can see either their wallet addresses, for instance, if they, if they connected using a Web3 wallet, You'd see their email addresses if they if they provided that to you, or cell phone numbers, or they can use the the API to access that data um, through their own NFT hub. And so, are a lot of brands are they already at the stage where they're connecting the dots and thinking about NFTs in the context of CRM as a way to manage the relationship with a, a customer or a fan? Definitely, um, I would say that. 75%, you know, three out of four of the, the brands that we speak to, that is one of the most pressing things that they want to know. They want to know, you know, if I use this platform, will I be able to know who my community is and will I be able to engage them? Because they, you know, in many cases, they look at these sorts of, you know, technologies as disconnected or disparate from like their, their more traditional distribution platforms, whether it be, you know, e-commerce like Shopify um, or, you know, other sorts of distribution platforms for their media or their product, they see this as being, you know, NFTs as sort of being the Wild West and it being fairly disconnected. And, you know, the, the Web3 community, um, there's sort of a part of it that is has been very, very focused on anonymity of, of what we do online because we're just connecting with a wallet and we don't need to provide our email addresses, for example. Um, and so for some brands that does raise some concern, I think that, yeah, it's great that there's all these wallet addresses that are doing things with my stuff, but I have no idea who my audience is and there's no way that I can really provide them value or, you know, additional engagement. So obviously an, another kind of trend at the moment, almost alongside NFTs or sometimes linked in some ways is the social token, the idea that an influencer can issue a fungible token associated to them, I guess, maybe linked to some kind of collateral or future earning potential. Firstly, are you, are you considering those in the context of your mix? Or, and, and how does a social token, do you think, sit alongside things like NFTs for, for influencers and celebrities? 
Um, it's a great question. We, when we initially launched our platform in 2018, we actually had a built-in uh, ERC-20 currency. And it really acted like a, a you know, utility coin where you could use it to sort of do things on the platform. You know, that was in 2018. We proceeded to sort of explore um, the risks associated with that. And we, we engaged our legal team to do what we call this state-by-state analysis of regulatory issues surrounding, you know, money transmission and things like that. Sounds awful. It it is awful, and and so I think and expensive, awful and expensive. Um, that's right. And so the, I I think the premise is great, and if projects do it in the right jurisdictions, or they're willing to sort of pay the fees or deal with the risks, um, I think the concept of social tokens, and it, it's really sort of like a glorified loyalty program. Um, you know, I think the concept is excellent and there are probably ways around it where you don't use, you know, on-chain currencies, for example, but you do just use sort of uh, points, for example. Um, but I think the concept in the association um, really circles back to that, that comment that I made earlier about NFTs sort of being a way of self-identifying as part of a tribe. And, you know, if I could if I could look at your your wallet, Jamie, and I could see that you had you know, some of the weekend's um, social tokens, for example, I could gauge how much of a fan you were of that of that artist or, you know, of that brand, for example. So I think, I think it's a really interesting way that brands and influencers can engage their communities, but I think that people need to be aware of the risks associated with it. And even at its, uh, at its simplest, you know, individuals, you know, a lot of people in the crypto space is sort of, um, perhaps avoiding, you know, tax and capital gains and things like that. But they need to be aware that, you know, the regulation surrounding this space is always changing. And even things like social tokens, should they be listed on, on an exchange, may be taxable at some point. And so, you know, as an individual, I don't touch things like that. Um, but, you know, each to their own. I, I think there is definitely a use case for it. Yeah, very cool. And so maybe finally, where do you see all all this stuff heading in in the short to midterm? You know, you're obviously a central actor in the community. You know, you provide a platform for them. I, I was talking to you the other day, and I think you've had hundreds of applications already to come and and speak at NFT NYC. What are what are the th- what are the recurring themes, trends, and patterns you can see that people are wanting to talk about beyond just shilling their own project, right? Um, well, I think there's a, you know, a common theme that has re- recurred every year. So 2019, 2020, and now 2021, is that everyone is still focused on uh, reducing barrier to entry for mass adoption. One of the, the greatest things about this year is that we are, um, there are more use cases for more mainstream adoption. So, you know, when we talk about brands or, you know, everyone has seen media coverage, mainstream media coverage of the technology. One of the things that we are seeing a, a big focus on, obviously, is art, but an emerging an emerging space for NFTs is music, the music industry. Um, so I, I think we're going to see start to see a lot of disruption in the music industry um, and and perhaps some you know investment or engagement from the sort of institutions that are already in the space. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's really really exciting. Um, we you mentioned we've had you know a couple of hundred speaker applications already. We have six months to go. 
Um, we've already registered about 250 attendees with six months to go. So we're expecting this year to obviously be sort of bigger than bigger than ever. Um, and I think, you know, it will certainly change over the coming months. We'll start to see new things pop up, you know, maybe it's DeFi, maybe it's something else, but I think the, you know, the trends are forever evolving in this space. Yeah. Well, look, you know, thanks for everything that you do for the space, providing a platform. I can't personally wait for an NFT conference. Oh my God, that would be uh, for, for the first conference of, uh, you know, coming out of lockdown, it, it, it's got to be an NFT one, right? And of course, New York's a great place as uh, always to kind of get together. So looking forward to having a, a beer with you, glass of wine or something on, on some fancy New York rooftop. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Me too. Thanks for coming on, Cameron. Excellent. Thanks, Jamie. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.